welcome to the podcast series from the National Centre for Research Methods at the University of Southampton. In today's podcast, Dr Alexander Kogan from the University of Cambridge talks about his NCRM-funded project, Integrating Emerging Smartphone and Genetic Initiatives to Produce Cost-Effective Innovative Methodology. So this project is really a marriage of two ideas that are emerging in social sciences. On the one hand, we've had this revolution in uh, digital media, where we now have the ability to gather information about people from their smartphones, from their Facebooks, and things like that. Now, the mobile technology in particular is something of interest for us, because we've had a longstanding interest in assessing people over time. So basically, bringing people in and asking them, can you please tell us about uh, your happiness today, and then again tomorrow, and again the next day, and so on and so forth. And these surveys have classically been done either with paper and pencil, which creates huge issues for do people actually do them, or second, online. Now, what has really changed in the last five years is the emergence of smartphones, where now we could use people's smartphones to uh, gather data. One thing we wanted to do was bring the ability to make studies for smartphones to the masses. Because right now it's feasible, uh, but you have to be a Java programmer. So that's part one of what we hope to achieve. And then you wanted to combine that whole idea with this whole thing of, of, of genetics and put the two together. Where, where did that whole idea come from? So with the genetics part that's really emerging in social sciences right now, this interest in using genetic methods to investigate some of the biological underpinnings of social behavior. So some of our work has looked at the oxytocin and its involvement in cooperation. So the problem with the genetic methods is it's always been really expensive. And it was also are really time-consuming. So what these two things effectively did was it created really small samples. So there's been a really big revolution in this, and it's led by the UK. And it basically said, well, rather than having every researcher collect their own DNA uh, data, why not centralize it? So the bioresource at Cambridge was started a few years ago, and they brought in 12,000 people and got their blood and saliva samples. And these people have already said, we want to participate in more studies. So what you then do is you work with the Bioresource Center. They'll do all the genotyping for you for free, which greatly reduces the cost to the researcher. And it's more efficient because once something is genotyped, it's genotyped. So they don't have to keep doing it again into their database. And then you could send out an online survey to the 12,000 people and get huge data relatively quickly. And so what we wanted to do was combine these two ideas. Take the digital data uh, and use this big biobank to show that you could actually start collecting really rich naturalistic data people's homes and daily life, and combine it with genetic data and do it both on a big scale with quite sizable samples and also good cost. So you've got potentially a big sample, a really efficient way of collecting data. Tell me a bit about why this sort of combination of information could be of interest to researchers. One of the really wonderful things about this digital data from smartphones is that you get to ask people questions over and over and over again. And so imagine you have a question like happiness. Well, I could ask you how happy you are once, and that's typically how things are done if they're doing with genetic studies. The thing is, there's a lot of situational factors that impact how happy you are right now. What measuring people over and over and over again allows us to do is basically get rid of all that noise. Because all those situational factors get washed out, and we're left with a much better approximation. The other thing it allows us to do is study new questions in terms of how people change. So if we have 100 measurements of your happiness, I could see how stable your happiness is. And so it allows us to open up these whole new areas of uh, inquiry 
about genetic correlates of social behavior. Now, there's obviously a lot of sensitivity about this whole idea of collecting people's personal information, particularly when it comes to things to do with mobile phones. But presumably, because you've got sign-on from these people, this is all agreed and upfront, and, and you're doing away with some of those concerns. Is that right? First, people do consent. The other thing that we do is we actually take a two-step process of ensuring anonymity. We have them conduct the study on their smartphones. We download their data, and then we anonymize. We remove their names. We remove their phone numbers. We remove anything we could possibly use to figure out who that person is, except for an ID number that the bioresource assigns to each person. By the time we get the genetic data and pair it with the digital data, it's all actually completely anonymous. And there's no way to even link the information back to a specific individual. Now, you're partway through the project. Tell us a little bit about the sorts of things you've been doing, the sorts of things that have been happening. The first thing we've been doing is development of the software that pretty much anybody can use in five minutes to make a study that will work on somebody's smartphone. So that was the idea. So make it super easy and just open it up to researchers around the world. At the same time, we've started working on developing the protocol for the actual study, and we'll soon be submitting the ethics application. And I think I'm right in understanding that you've been, been attempting to demonstrate the capabilities of the system by running a study yourselves. Is, is that correct? And can you tell us a bit about that? One of the things we've started doing is running a pilot study on the mobile software, and that's actually about to kick off. Uh, in a couple of days. We're doing this pilot study to learn more about the data structure and the server load, because we're anticipating once we get to the main study, there's going to be a lot of people using this at the same time, because we're going for a big sample. So we want to ensure that the servers can take the load, and also the data is just structured in a good, sensible way. So what's the end game then, Alex? When you come to the end of this project, what is it exactly that you hope to deliver, uh, and what will it mean for this type of research, do you think? Number one, we're hoping to deliver the software that now anybody in the world can use free of charge to do studies using mobile phones. There's only been a small handful of studies that have done it, and it's been led by people who know programming. Number two, we're hoping to gain some key new insights into social behavior, especially cooperation and well-being, and their genetic correlates from this first study. And number three, we're hoping to show the blueprint for how mobile data and genetic data can be combined and easily collected, cheaply collected, and quickly collected. And that should spearhead a lot of new research opportunities for researchers around the world. Integrating emerging smartphone and genetic initiatives to produce cost-effective, innovative methodology is an NCRM-funded project based at the Cambridge Pro-Sociality and Wellbeing Lab. More information about the project is available on the NCRM website at www.ncrm.ac.uk.